Hello, and welcome back to the Spring to Life podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host slash hormone health coach, fertility awareness educator, Pilates instructor, and creator of the Spring to Life method. My goal is to promote feminine body independence and share stories of female resiliency to help you love your body more and unleash your inner superpower, your period. Now, you know I love all things hormone health and I try to make the most hospitable environment for my hormones when it comes to my diet and my environment and everything that I do. But something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is the clothing that I'm wearing and how it might be affecting my hormones. So I have invited Heidi Kumajan onto the show. She is a non-toxic health expert and she is going to give us all the details what we should be looking for when it comes to non-toxic clothing. All right, I am here with Heidi. She is a non-toxic living expert, and I have been really excited to have her on the show. Uh, we're going to get into all things non-tox living. But first, I want Heidi to give us a little introduction. I know that you have found this path and this mission in life because of your own experiences. So what in your life led you to being so passionate about non-toxic living? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. Super excited to be doing a podcast swap with you, Caitlin. Our episode on Lifelong just released last week. So it's so fun to be on the other side now. But yes, you you mentioned that I, I had a story that kind mm-hmm. of brought me into this non-toxic living space. And I will attempt to give the SparkNotes version of my story. Um, so basically I had a lot of health issues starting at a young age. I can remember starting to see alternative practitioners at the age of 15. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward through the beginning and entirety of college, I was working on my health from a holistic perspective. I will say that my upbringing played a big role in me taking the more alternative route. My mom has always been into natural health, holistic health. She was juicing wheatgrass when I was in elementary school. She was buying organic food. She was doing all the things that I thought were kind of weird. And now I am so grateful looking back. So anyways, with going through all those different health things and seeking out different holistic practitioners Um, I was able to learn a lot from a very young age just by being thrown into it all. And the biggest thing that I went through was in college, about three weeks into starting my college journey, my freshman year, I woke up with severe breathing issues. And for three and a half years through the winter break of my senior year of college, I would not breathe normally. And these respiratory issues were very, very debilitating. I was one of those people that looked healthy, seemed healthy. All of my medical tests were coming back as normal, as healthy. I was being brushed off as anxious. I was also being brushed off as crazy, extreme OCD, you know, totally dismissed by the medical community. And thankfully my 
I had a really good support system with my family and friends, but I was very quiet about what I was going through because it was so hard to explain. And on top of these respiratory symptoms that I was experiencing, I was dealing with severe neurological problems. Um, the most extreme were like seizure-like symptoms where I would have electrical shock sensations throughout the center of my body. And it was terrifying. So after numerous ER visits, numerous, um, specialist visits and all of these holistic health expert visits, I still didn't have an answer as to why I was feeling so terrible. So like I mentioned, I felt that way through my senior year of college, my winter break. And it was during my winter break that I was reading a book that my mom had out when I was home for Christmas. And it was talking about environmental toxins. And in particular, I remember reading about mold and heavy metals. Mm. And this was back in 2017. So there, even today, there's still not a lot out, but just a few years ago, there was really not a lot out. So I'm reading this book and it, it's talking about toxins and it's talking about what these toxins can do to your body. And lo and behold, that kind of became the, that opened up a whole new paradigm to me. It, it was the first time in three and a half years that I felt hope. It felt, finally felt like, okay, I think I have some kind of an answer here. And Previously, all I heard was you're crazy. You're making this up. You're just anxious. You're depressed. And so it felt really good to see in writing my symptoms in a book matching up with these toxins. So from that point forward, I had more direction to do my research and also test different things out on my own body. And ultimately I was able to heal myself through a targeted detoxification and through shifting my lifestyle to be as non-toxic as possible, meaning that reducing my exposure to toxins as much as possible so that my body could be in that state of equilibrium. And I knew that I was sensitive because I had an overburdened toxic bucket for so many years, hence all those crazy symptoms. So today, all these years later, I work in the holistic health space. I've actually merged my passions for marketing and holistic health and non-toxic living. And I now run lifelong podcast. And I also have a boutique marketing consultancy for wellness brands. So that's the spark notes version. Hopefully it wasn't too jumbled up, but that's my story. No, that really, um, shed some light on your experiences and how they've influenced the work that you're doing today. And I got like some chills when you're talking about some of the symptoms you're experiencing, because I can't imagine, especially being so young, like a college student, how debilitating it must have been to have like these severe breathing problems and like neurological conditions and not being able to live your life probably the way that you wanted to, or that right. you had envisioned it. Yeah, it was, it was a really tough time. And I'm not someone who's like, Oh, I need all this sympathy and I'm not a victim, whatever. But I mean, it was, it was hard because I'm, I'm going to college at a big university and you know, everyone's partying and everyone's joining sororities and doing all these different things. And I'm going home on the weekends. I can mm -hmm. barely make it through the night without contemplating going to the emergency room. So 
Wow. Yes. Well, so you mentioned mold and heavy metal exposure. And I think a lot of times we think of our homes as like this sanctuary where we should be comfortable and safe and healthy. So obviously you were being exposed to these things at at some point. Did you then discover that maybe your living conditions where you were was where you're becoming exposed to some of these things? Or were you able to kind of pin down an exposure point? So that's a really good question. And to answer it shortly, I wasn't able to pin it down exactly, but I've had all these years now go by where there have been a lot of clues and puzzle pieces kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. And I actually, so let me backtrack a second. I, I think there have been a lot of exposures throughout my life mm-hmm. and certain people have certain genes that are turned on that make it harder to detoxify from some of these toxins, such as the HLA-DR gene, which is uh, tied to mold illness, which 25% of people have, which makes it really hard for them to detoxify from mold. So that means you could have four people living in a place and only one person has these bad symptoms and everyone else is like, you're crazy. Like it can't be mold because I don't have symptoms. So anyways, I do believe that I've had a numerous amount of different toxic exposures throughout my life. Perhaps even these kinds of things can be passed down from our mom and our grandmothers. And there's a generational aspect to it all. So it's very hard to pinpoint exactly. However, the final kind of piece of mind puzzle piece that I, I needed was finding in a mold support group that I'm a part of on Facebook. It's a global support group with mold, um, illness people all over the world. And there was an article getting shared about, uh, keep in mind, this wasn't tied to my university. This was tied to the the globe of people with mold Mm -hmm. illness. And they're sharing an article about a dorm room at the university of Wisconsin or dorm building at the university of Wisconsin, where students were kind of protesting, um, better living arrangements because they found mold and the university then claimed that they had their environmental expert go in there and they didn't find mold and it was all fine and dandy, yada, 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 a classic story in the mold community because of the way that mold remediators are set up. They're set up for the insurance agencies. They're not set up to protect human health. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it's this article being shared and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was my dorm room. That was my dorm. (laughs) I lived there and I knew it. I knew the conditions were crappy and they ended up renovating the following year. I mean, it was a 70 year old building or something like that, Mm -hmm. but it was that final piece where I'm like, I, I was exposed to a lot of things and I think the dorm room was a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned UW. I, I'm not sure which campus you attended. I'm not sure if you were at Milwaukee, but I spent a summer living in, in a dorm. Okay. But yes. It's equally. I spent a summer in those UW dorms in Milwaukee and <laughs> just to put it lightly, it was not, um, not deluxe. <laughs> accommodations for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if I was exposed to something while living there too. But I think that brings up a point. A lot of young people are living in dorms. 
the majority of people I feel like are renting They're you know, especially millennial generations and younger, we're still renting our homes. And so it's hard to, you know, you're not necessarily going in like as a home buyer, having a home inspection done before you move into this property. If you're being really proactive about your health, maybe you are bringing in a third party to test for mold in your home. But I feel like that's probably only something you're going to do if you've already experienced mold illness and heal from it and know the risks. So what types, what should we be looking for in our homes in terms of mold? Like, you know, is the mold, the little bit of mold in your bathroom is going to make you sick? Or is it like a deeper problem that we're looking for? Yeah, I think that all mold is inherently, I'm going to say bad, and that's Mm -hmm. generalizing. When in reality, there are different kinds of molds, there's different spores, there's different species that do, uh, they are worse than others. And I, I don't, I really don't want to get into the nitty gritty there, <laughs> but for example, everyone's probably heard of black mold, mm-hmm. which produces a mycotoxin in the body, which is so all mold when it, it's not the mold that causes the problem in the body. It's the toxic off gas that the mold enters your body through inhalation, or you could through ingestion. Mm -hmm. Um, let's say if you're eating moldy strawberries or something like that, but that's, that's a very minor exposure compared to inhaling, you know, mold from your bathroom mold from a water leak behind an appliance Mm. for several years, several days. Um, so anyways, it gets into your body and it, it metabolizes and produces a gas into the body called mycotoxins. These toxins should ideally be removed from the body naturally in a natural, healthy process. However, like I said, because of genetics, because of other uh, toxins in our world that make people's immune systems a little bit weaker or whatever the case is, there is a lot of people that actually their body can't naturally get rid of that, that mold. So anyways, to answer your question, I really would pay attention to how you're feeling in your environment instead of obsessing about, because you can find mold everywhere. I found mold on my windowsills this winter because of the, the moisture from it being so freezing cold. And it was so warm in my apartment that there was mold growing on the windows. And I could have sent myself into a downward spiral, especially with the trauma response being someone who has, was affected so deeply by mold, but instead I quickly took care of it and using, uh, non-toxic methods to getting rid of the mold. But I, I encourage people to pay attention to how they feel. If you move mm-hmm. into a new place and all of a sudden you have an onset of a bunch of symptoms, that's when I would start digging in looking. If you're not experiencing different things, again, this is kind of subjective, but I wouldn't, if you're not experiencing symptoms, I wouldn't try to obsess. However, if you see visible mold, that's a telltale sign. Get the heck out of there. Mm -hmm. But most mold is not visible. It's microscopic. So if you're touring some places, if you're going to buy a place, if you're going to rent a place, I would advocate for, let's say renting, I would try to get a upper unit, get as high Mm. up from the ground as possible. 
I would look under sinks. I would look for um, marks and ceilings, drip marks and walls. You can look for bubbling under sinks and the and the plywood. Mm-hmm. You can look at appliances. You can even look on. This is a really interesting and weird hack. You can look on under the toilet. Um, I don't know what you would call that, like the chamber behind the toilet. You lift mm-hmm. up that lid. You can look in there because that if there's mold growing in there, that tells you that there's probably mold growing elsewhere in the apartment because of the conditions that the environment has set up. Also, if there's a lot of dust going on, no no matter if you're, you're touring a place or you currently live in a place, mold, um, dust is food for mold. Mm. So that's why dust and mold go hand in hand is because the mold actually feeds off of the dust. So there's a lot of different things to look at, but number one is, is lean into your body. I think our bodies are, are brilliant and smart. And again, it's maybe not the most scientific thing out there, but you know, our bodies can tell us a lot. No, I think those are some really great tips, um, especially for anybody that might be in, about to approach a move, or maybe they have been feeling some things in their body and are trying to figure out what's going on. And I promise this is the last mold question because no worries. <laughs> we, we came here to talk about textiles, but you mentioned uh, that you use some non-toxic products to clean the mold on your windowsills. What are your go-to non-toxic products for cleaning up mold? Yeah. So cleaning mold is a whole world in and of itself because traditionally people think, oh, you can just throw bleach on it. Do not put bleach on mold. That is not going to help the situation. That's going to make it worse. What I would recommend is there are three different products to just keep on hand at all times. Um, you can even do this if you're you're traveling and you think you were exposed to mold and your clothing, because our clothing picks up spores really easily. So I wash my clothes in a concentrate called EC3. I forget the brand, but it's called EC3. And that kills mold spores. You can also use that concentrate and different um, kind of like a branch basics. You can, there's multiple uses for it, Mm -hmm. but I always use that one for laundry. Then I have a brand called Benefect, B-E-N-E-F-E-C-T, and they make wipes and they also have a spray. And these also kill mold naturally. They actually are, um, comprise a thyme and thyme, uh, as an herb is a natural, um, antifungal, which mold is a fungus. So that product I love. I even bring those wipes to the gym. I don't use the, <laughs> that's a random note, but I just literally use one this morning at the gym. I bring those wipes with me to the gym because I don't like using the toxic wipes there. Um, and I you can use those just to disinfect things as well, not just mold. And then the third product, which is a classic, is borax. Borax, you can make a solution and wipe everything down that's been in mold. You can wash your clothes with borax. It's very multifunctional. When I I had one other mold exposure, um, later in my adulthood. So like post-college after I was already feeling better, I had another exposure where I had to move out of the apartment pretty urgently. And we had all of our stuff that we had to, you know, throw out mattresses. It, costs a lot because you're throwing stuff out. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to break a lease, pay more money, whatever. But even our surfaces, for example, this microphone or this mouse or my water bottle, every single hard surface 
and I was next level, I wiped down with a borax solution. Well, the water bottle I could have washed in the dishwasher, but I mean, the, the side of the blender, the computer screen, everything I wiped with the borax solution. Cause I'm like, I just don't want these spores getting mm-hmm. transported, um, to my next place. So those okay. are the products. Those are some great tips. And I love hearing about like botanicals that are so powerful in cleaning like thyme oil. And I know oregano oil has similar properties where you can use these natural things to keep your home also clean, but non-toxic as well. Yes. So those are some great tips for mold. I am curious besides mold in our homes, what are maybe top three sources of toxin exposure in our homes? Top three. Okay. There, there are a lot. Or maybe, Um, you know, just your, your top of the list. (laughs) Yes. So top of the list, PFAS, perfluorinated alcohols, PFAS. I'm sure people have been hearing about them lately because finally they're hitting the mainstream news. Mm -hmm. PFAS are a very concerning class of chemicals that have a high half-life, meaning that they take years and up to decades to get out of the body and out of the environment. These are really, really tricky to detoxify from. And they're very prevalent. And they're also very damaging. And I'm, I'm not here to scare, but some places to look out for PFAS and to make some better choices. I'll share like uh the exposure. And then I can also share a solution. For example, frying pans, mm-hmm. nonstick frying pans are made out of Teflon, which Teflon is made out of perfluorinated alkyls. So these toxic chemicals, instead of Teflon pans, I would recommend doing 100% pure ceramic. There's a brand called Extrema, which is really cool. And another option is to do pure stainless steel. A brand for that is 360. So looking for PFAS is the number one thing I would emphasize right now, just because of how tricky they are to get rid of and how prevalent they are. They're also found in textiles and furnishings, and they are what make products waterproof. For example, your rain gear, your Gore-Tex rain jacket, that's directly made out of PFAS chemicals. And they're they're being found in the yoga pants and all these synthetic fibers and fabrics. They're also found in the stain proofing chemicals that some people put on their white furniture, their furniture that they don't want to get stained. Mm. And another big contender is water. So I would recommend drinking filtered water. I really like the brand Mountain Valley Spring. They're third-party tested for all the nasty chemicals and they come back with amazing, amazing results. And they also, it's also mineralized. So upgrade your water, ditch the nonstick pans and upgrade your furniture and clothing slowly. And it will really benefit your health. Awesome. Yeah. Those are some great tips. And I know that you have multiple episodes on Lifelong Pod that go like in depth into all of these topics. And so you mentioned one in that list, and that is actually one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to talk to you. So my platform is all about hormone health and 
menstrual health and just overall well-being for women. And lately in the last couple of months, one of the things that I've kind of realized was in my blind spot was my clothing. I spend so much time in active wear. And before that I was dancing ballet, wearing tights and a leotard all the time. So I feel like pretty much my whole life I've been like shrink wrapped (laughs) in like really tight spandex clothing. And so it's just been like buzzing around my head the last couple of months. Like what is this doing to me? I need to switch to wearing more natural fibers. So how is our clothing potentially impacting our health, our hormones, um, and our overall well-being? Yes, I am so excited to chat about textiles and clothing because my background, I actually worked in the textile and fashion industry. Um, for a bit. So I know firsthand how, how toxic the industry really is. And it's also the top polluting industry out there. So anyways, with the textiles, what I think the most basic way to explain this is to explain how toxins get into the body. So there's Mm -hmm. three main routes that toxins can get into the body. That's inhalation, digestion and dermal absorption. So I get pretty concerned with dermal absorption with synthetic fibers like polyester, spandex, um, the list goes on. And what happens is these, these fabrics are then touching your skin and they're particularly exposing your how would I describe it? The most precious and delicate parts of your body, your pubic area, your breasts, glands, and your armpits. They are also touching areas that get very hot and warm. And what happens with chemicals is heat makes them extract quicker and at a higher rate. So the biggest concern to me as of lately is yoga pants and yoga wear and active wear, because what are you doing when you're wearing those? There are many people that don't even wear underwear when they wear, um, yoga pants and leggings. And maybe the underwear is a little bit of a barrier if they're cotton, but I don't even know if that helps that much. But anyways, it's, it's very close to your skin. It's very close to these delicate parts of your body that are also very absorbable. And the heat is extracting them. So over time, yeah, if you wear it once, you're probably fine. If you wear it a few times, you're probably fine. But what happens when it's a lifetime? Mm -hmm. What happens when it's a lifetime? And it's going to be really tricky to switch all of your clothing to natural fibers. Some of those natural fibers are cotton, wool, hemp, linen. Um, I'm not a big fan of bamboo because bamboo has a lot of chemical processing, even though it's natural, it takes a ton of chemicals for it to even turn into a fabric. So organic cotton is one of my favorites as is linen, but it, like I said, it takes a while and I don't want people to get overwhelmed. And I try to be as real as possible with my audience and show people, yeah, I'm wearing an aloe, you know, like working out. Sometimes I wear an aloe yoga uh, set, or I wear, 
you know, Lululemon leggings, but also I've been slowly upgrading and buying organic cotton options from Pact and made the label. And slowly over time, I feel good about making these conscious choices. Also, I have been very on the lookout for clothing that is natural and non-toxic and also fashionable Mm -hmm. because for so long, natural clothing, organic clothing, it just seemed like frumpy stuff that you would find in a very obscure store. And because of my fashion background and because of my background in non-toxic health, I'm like, how can I find the cutest options that are also good for human health. So I've spent years researching, trying different brands. I even have an ebook on my website at holisticwithheidi.com. And there are tons and tons of brands. So the the long and short of it is textiles are concerning because of the chemicals it takes to make them and the fibers that they are made out of. So sticking to natural fibers is one of the best options you can make for your health. But if you can't do it at all, all right now, don't stress out because even me, someone who's been at this for 10 years, doesn't have a fully non-toxic wardrobe yet. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a slow and steady thing. And I, I think that's, you know, when you're trying to do anything for your health, if you try and do everything all at once, you're going to overwhelm yourself or overburden yourself. So I always say, you know, start with one thing, layer it in. And that's how you're going to like really progress yourself to where you want to be without totally overwhelming yourself and wanting to give up. I think you brought up a really good point um, that I hadn't really thought about that much, but our lymph system, um, you know, somebody's feeling like really puffy and just like, not great. We're squeezing ourselves, like all of our lymph into these synthetic fibers and really blocking up those channels. So that makes so much sense. Um, as far as like how we can really keep our body (laughs) working as it should be. Um, and obviously there's other practices we can incorporate rebounding, dry brushing, things to support lymphatic system, but really starting to think about what we're putting on our bodies is so important too. And I totally agree with the kind of the, it's almost like those natural fibers are like the hippie clothes, the baggy, like, um, Mm -hmm. the jester pants, yeah, the elephant pants or whatever they're (laughs) called and like things like that. But I do really see there's this shift happening. I'm wearing a packed top right now. So I've slowly been, you know, I like live in this active wear. So I'm like, okay, I live in these clothes. I need to really start to make conscious choices about what materials they're made of. And it honestly, like it feels so much better on your body. It's just feels so much better on your skin. Mm-hmm. So you kind of touched and it's on it's not as stinky. <laughs> yes. It breathes yeah. much better. It's uh yes. Those synthetic fibers, sometimes no matter how many times you wash your leggings, they still have that like kind of sweaty, stinky smell to Mm -hmm, them. mm -hmm. And then we have to go use all of these crazy detergents that are marketed for getting your sweat out of the clothing. And it just shouldn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. Um, so you kind of touched on a lot of the questions that I wanted to ask in terms of synthetic versus natural fibers. Are there any synthetic fibers that are maybe worse than others that we should really be on the lookout for? Ooh, not sure if I know one to be worse than the other. So with synthetic fibers, 
most all of them are originating from the petroleum industry. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of how they're, I, I don't, I should know the science because I took textile science classes, but it's a matter of how the threads are and how it's knit and everything, mm-hmm. but its base ingredient is petroleum. So I need to do a little bit more digging, but what where I get concerned is I don't want to wear petroleum. So I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm with yeah. you there. Um, so I think you, you kind of touched on this of that, like slowly changing your wardrobe over. And I think, you know, anytime I've been like perusing Instagram or TikTok, and there are people doing um, maybe slow fashion hauls or showing how they're changing their wardrobe to have more organic, breathable textile fibers in it. And always the uh, complaint that comes up is that's too expensive or that's just unattainable. Excuse me. So what tips do you have for people that have that, that idea in their head that it is just something that they cannot attain to have these natural fibers in their wardrobe? Mm. I would ask them, this is me being (laughs) maybe challenging, but I would ask them to show me receipts of their latest clothing purchases And then I would, you know, look at most of these things, to be honest, for example, a workout set from Lululemon or from Aloe Yoga, which are the two leading brands right now in activewear, they're actually going to be priced higher than the organic set from Pact. Mm -hmm. But I I do want to be cognizant of price. And I know that there are certain brands that in certain categories that would cost more, for example, a non-toxic raincoat probably is more expensive than a a PFAS raincoat that you could get at Kohl's or something like a more affordable store. However, um, I, I do find, and again, I'm not trying to be like an a-hole here, but I do (laughs) find that price gets brought up a lot and there are always solutions if you want to make this commitment to your health. For example, again, and I, I'm really not trying to be mean because I I do try to be cognizant. And I know, for example, like organic food, there are certain categories that will cost more. But when it comes to some of these things like non-toxic clothing, where you're slowly upgrading over time, I like to get people thinking about these purchases as an investment into a Roth IRA. The earlier you start making these slow upgrades, these healthier choices for your health, later in life, you're actually going to spend less because your body's healthier. Would you rather Mm. maybe spend a little less money and get all your clothes from Forever 21 or and potentially burden your body Or would you rather maybe get less items? That's another tip is shopping for less items, going minimalist, buying products like a really beautiful wool sweater that will actually last you a lifetime versus a crappy sweater from Amazon that probably is super cute, but it's, you're going to be donating it in two years, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's thinking about these things as more of like an investment. And then another tip 
because I know I kind of started out on a little bit of a rant and I need to remember solutions. <laughs> Another tip is if you can only afford some of the lower end stores, just look for organic cotton. You can read the labels and every clothing item, there's a little label. You will find options that are made with cotton. It might not be organic cotton, but at least it's cotton. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely find some some really cheap cotton t-shirts in a lot of different stores. Yeah, those are some great tips. And I think something smart that you brought up is like, you could go to Forever 21 or like get the Sheen Hall and buy like 20 items of clothing and have that in your closet. Or you can invest in, you know, three to five pieces that are going to last you a lot longer. And I know for myself, like currently half of my clothes are still in a storage unit in San Diego. They've been there for like <laughs> longer than six months at this point. And, you know, I've bought a couple of new things in the time that I haven't had those clothes, but I find myself going back and wearing the same couple outfits over and over because that's what's comfortable. And now, you know, I want to wear fabrics that feel good on my skin, especially when it's really hot in the summer. So how much do you actually need all of this variety in your wardrobe and or versus like having these core pieces? Um, and I think cyclical fashion, I love, um, selling things on Poshmark. I love finding things on Poshmark that you can buy new with tags. So I think there's always a solution if you're willing to go that route. Yes. And one other thing is thrifting, going to Goodwill. Mm -hmm. I am not above going to Goodwill. I go to Goodwill probably, I don't know, every few months just to look around and see, Ooh, what kind of beautiful natural fiber pieces can I find here? And then I just bring them home. I will always off gas things outside, air them out in the Mm -hmm. sun and then wash them in a non-toxic cleaner. And that's the most sustainable choice. You know, it doesn't mean you need to get all of your clothes secondhand, but it's a great option for your health and the environment and the, and the the bank bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. We want to save some money. Um, so you mentioned a couple make the label wear packed. Uh, what are your favorite brands for clothing at the moment? You mentioned you're, you are looking for things that are fashionable and in the moment, where are you shopping right now? Yeah. So I have been doing a lot of shop. Well, not a lot. (laughs) Um, perusing on reformation is a favorite right now. They, they are obviously a very fashionable mainstream company, but they actually more than any other mainstream fashion line, I find them to offer the most natural fiber pieces. I actually bought a pair of linen pants from them this summer. There's also a brand called Quince or Kints. Q-U-I-N-C-E. I I can't pronounce it. And they are super affordable because they sell direct, um, there's no middleman. So you're actually, when you get the product, it's shipping directly from their manufacturer in Turkey and -hmm. it's all organic. So you can get the cheapest and nicest cashmere sweaters. I just got a organic cotton robe from them. It was like 39 bucks or something very affordable for being Mm -hmm. organic. Um, so Keens is a great brand. Moy, M-O-Y-E. They have really beautiful undergarments and silk pieces. So that's more of like an elevated, more luxury option. And another brand that I've been loving is called Laud, Laud the label. 
L-A-U-D-E. And they have really, really cute fashionable pieces as well. But yeah, definitely check out the ebook if you want to see all the brands, but those are the ones that are top of mind right now. Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely link that ebook in the show notes for this show. Cause I'm sure people are going to want to do all the perusing. I know <laughs> I definitely, as I've been doing some research, I've got a couple <laughs> carts going on different pages. Like I want, I want to get this. I want to try that. Um, yeah. so we've got all the new options to try. So as we kind of wrap things up here, I was curious what maybe, what are three of your wellness non-negotiables in any given day? Mm. Number one is hydration, basic answer, but I emphasize cellular hydration. So drinking mineralized water that is filtered. Number two is movement. Again, another basic answer, but even small things like if you work at a computer all day long, take breaks to jump on the rebounder, do jumping jacks or stretch, twist your body. Twisting your body is amazing for your liver. And it it's so it's free. It's easy Mm -hmm. doing some twists in your chair. It's really good for your liver. And I'm into liver health. And the number three would be having a daily, uh, spiritual or mindful practice. And I think that stress is forgotten about in the world of non-toxic living. And in fact, I think it can become a double-edged sword when, when people, uh, and I've been there when you start obsessing over products Mm. and exposures and, and then you're stressed and now you're not maybe being exposed from the toxin of the, the product you're avoiding, but you're, you're stressing your body out, which is toxic. So having a daily spiritual practice is a non-negotiable for me. For me, that looks like waking up in the morning and absolutely no phone for an hour. I could journal, I could meditate. Um, I could pray, I could stretch, I could look in the sun. I love sitting in the sun. It, there's a lot of different things, but it is so critical for me and having the sunlight mixed into is an added bonus. Yeah. I think those are all awesome tips. And to your last point, the power of our mind is so underrated in terms of on either side of the coin, perpetuating symptoms or healing from symptoms. So really getting your mindset, um, headed in the right direction is so key in any healing process. Yes. It helped me a lot back in the day and currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got, it has to be consistent and, uh, you know, not to say that there won't be some down days, but, you know, having that forward path and right. speaking of forward path, what is your like greater vision for the future? What is your mission with lifelong and where do you see things heading? Oh, what a fun question. So my mission is to make non-toxic living easy and accessible for all. And there are a lot of different ideas that I have for expanding my reach and being able to help more people. But ultimately right now that is through my podcast lifelong. And I am really looking forward to continuing to grow the show 
It's currently ranked in the top 1000 health and fitness podcast. So I'm setting new goals of like, okay, can I get in the top 500, top 200? And, and for me, it's about helping people because of what I went through. And I think I should probably be a little bit more business-minded about things, but right now I am just following my purpose and some other things like greater vision. I want to develop more community um, events and groups, and I'm not sure what that looks like right now, but Oh, okay. <laughs> Some type of retreat in the future. Sorry, total brain fart. But <laughs> yeah, just cultivating community and really getting the word out there is 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 the broad goal here. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Heidi. I'm excited for people to hear this episode and to learn more about environmental toxins and uh, exposure via our clothing. Uh, I think it's really important for us to start to think about where can people find and connect with you? Like I said, I'll link your, your uh, site and your ebook in the show notes. Where should we be connecting with you? Yeah, well give lifelong a follow on your platform of choice. It's just called lifelong podcast. You can listen to, to it on any major podcast streaming platform. There's also an Instagram and TikTok and YouTube account tied to all of that. You can find, um, me at lifelong underscore pod. And then I also have my broader company page, which is at holistic with Heidi or holistic with Heidi.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you so much for tuning into the spring to life podcast this week. If this episode got you thinking about making some upgrades to your wardrobe, I'm going to link all of the brands that Heidi mentioned in the show notes. And I'm also linking a very cool brand that I've been eyeing called Groceries Apparel. It's a California-made plant-dyed clothing company. They use things like avocados and onion skins to dye their clothing to uh, get this really beautiful effect in the colors. And they have generously offered 20% off your order of $100 or more using the code SPRINGTOLIFE method. So definitely check that out. That's linked in the show notes. As well as all of the ways for you to connect with Heidi if you want to follow her on Instagram, check out that ebook, and make sure you're following her podcast, Lifelong Pod. You can listen to my recent episode on the show there. And I'll talk to you next week. If you love this episode, I would be ever so grateful for a rating and review. Tag me in your Instagram stories at Spring to Life Method or simply share it with a girlfriend because all women deserve to know their superpower. 